0: Good morning, good morning, Zion. Thank you both of you. I appreciate that. So the Bible says uh, two or three witnesses, right? So there we go. We got we got that. Well we're gonna have some fun today. Hold on, Siri's trying to talk to me. Nope. So yeah, we're gonna have some fun there. We're gonna do something a little bit different. So I'm gonna I'm not sure why these seats are so close together. I'm gonna give you guys a little a little social distancing here. So uh do that. Let me introduce, we've got, uh, we're going to do a little panel today. So the first person uh, hailing from the Zion staff. And so uh, I just want to say this about Derek Williams. I I actually wrote something down. Oh yeah, there it is. So what we're starting to realize as a staff and uh, just as friends that uh, Derek actually, I don't know if this has ever been publicly called out, so now it's being publicly called out, but Derek actually carries a governmental anointing. And so There's people who have wisdom, and then there's those rare people who actually have the spirit of wisdom resting on them. And Derek actually has the spirit of wisdom resting on him. And so uh, I'm going to ask Derek Williams to come on up here. And the second one, hailing all the way from Columbus, Ohio... He's got a ministry called Roar Ministry. I'm going to describe him as one part prophet, one part evangelist, ten parts awesome. So uh, welcome with me, Sean Smith. Oh yeah, you guys need microphones. (laughs) Yeah, There's going to be eye candy up here while I talk the whole time. It's going to be awesome. So, we, you know, we've got a lot going on in our city, and so I've had this verse in my, in my mind the whole time, how do we walk out, bear one another's burdens? And so, Derek and Sean are actually people that Mary and I call family, and they call us family, so I thought it'd be fun to kind of just do a conversation, and uh, maybe we can all learn from each other. And uh, I plan on learning a lot, and I'm going to bring in a little bit of Bible, but I plan on listening a whole bunch, so it's going to be good. And uh, let me just set the context here as we're getting ready to start this thing. I didn't really figure out how this is all going to go. But, you know, racism, here's a definition. It's discrimination against people based on skin color or ethnic origin. Let's just keep it simple. That's what it is. It's not strictly a black and white issue. It can be any different colors. It can be black white, white, black, brown, yellow. I mean, it can be anything, right? But, uh, you know, right now the, the issue that's being highlighted is black, and so we're going to probably focus a little bit more on that. But um, it's not an American issue. It's a worldwide, history-long bloody problem in our planet, okay? Let me just give you something from the last century. In the Armenian Genocide in Turkey in 1915, one million Armenians are slaughtered, just for being Armenian. Uh, The Holocaust in Germany, six million Jews. Um, Who knows how many tens of millions were killed in the Soviet gulags during the Stalin era. Uh, Massacres of Rwanda in 1994. The Japanese slaughter of six million Chinese, Indonesian, Koreans, Filipino, and Indo-Chinese. These are all racism issues in our last century. And so I want you guys to see this isn't just an American issue. And uh, here's the thing, because racism is not primarily a skin issue, it's a sin issue. You have to get it. The root of it is an evil heart, okay? It has nothing to do with skin. It just manifests itself that way. And I I think this needs to be said. America has come a long ways. Now, today we're going to be seeing that we've got a ways to go, okay? We haven't arrived, but I think it's good to celebrate the progress. After 250 years of slavery, there was the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. That was a good step forward, would you guys admit that that is a good step forward? Then there was a brief uh, kind of shining moment in the Reconstruction period, and then there was kind of the shame of the Jim Crow laws. The Jim Crow laws basically gave black people a separate but legal status. But really, it just uh, it created two different classes. It was really a, a, just a disgusting system. Here, the laws varied by state, but let me just give you a couple highlights, because I want you to see this. I think a lot of times we think that that was ancient history, that stuff. The Jim Crow laws were repealed in 1964 with the Civil Rights Act and 1965 with the, vo- with the um, Voting Act. Guys, that's seven years before I was born. That's uh, Many of you in this room, you grew up under those Jim Crow laws and feeling the effects of them. My parents grew up under those Jim Crow laws, as that being the atmosphere. So I want us to see this isn't ancient history. I want us to see we've made progress, but I want you to just see, back, this was just a little while ago, here's the Jim Crow law separate bathrooms, separate pool halls. It was unlawful in Alabama for a black man and a white man to play together or be in the company with each other during a game of pool. Uh, separate spaces in restaurants, and in some cases, separate restaurants. Separate ticket windows for bus tickets. Interracial marriage was illegal in many states. Uh, just, uh, let me just hit this real quick, guys. I'm gonna, I, wanna, I promise I want to get to you. I'm just setting the table here. If you wonder how God feels about interracial marriage, it was interesting. Moses had an interracial marriage. He married a Cushite. Uh, she was from Africa. She was dark skinned. And um, Miriam, Moses' sister, began to complain about this marriage that she was too dark. You remember what God's response was Oh, you like light skin? I'll give you light skin. And he gave her leprosy which makes your skin white. How do you think God feels about racism and people? God, okay, we're okay. Um, another thing, um, they had separate schools under the Jim Crow law, separate passenger cars on the railroads, separate hospital entrances and treatment areas. Are you guys getting a picture of what the atmosphere was? Separate military troops. In Oklahoma, if a teacher taught black and white students together in any school, they were fined. Separate phone booths, okay? Um, So that was that, but here's the thing. Thousands of black men and white men marched together and protested together and fought for the Civil Rights Act and for the freedom. Um, It's taken years to work out. We still have a long way to go, but listen to this. Leading black sociologists say that today, America is the best place to be born black. How are we doing? That's a step forward, guys. I think we need to thank God for the progress made in our country, and uh, having said that, uh, I do think we have a ways to go. And so just in the last couple of years of talking with friends and studying things, I do believe that black people experience, what, uh, experience life differently than white people in an unfair way. I'm not saying it's in every case all across, but I do think it's in the atmosphere. And the gospel doesn't just change hearts. It also needs to change societal structures where evil is present. On earth as it is in heaven is our marching orders. We need to make up there come down here. And we're going to get it, I'm going to, I'm going to close actually with, a, um, not right now, I'm going to close at the end <laughs> with a picture of heaven uh, at the racial diversity there. And it's interesting, he said that the reason this was able to happen is because Jesus ransomed it with his blood. There was a high price paid for us to become one regardless. And so anything that uh, speaks against that, any racism, any of that stuff is an affront and an insult to the cross of Christ. Okay, so we've got to see that. So I want to, um, we're not where we should we be, we've made some progress, but let's just talk about maybe some steps forward here. So uh, I wanted to have these, conte- these, uh, f- these conversations in the context of friendship and family. I think those are going to be the best, rather than people talking against each other, and uh, you know, I, I want to I listen, and so we kind of wrote some questions together, but Derek's questions were better than mine, and so we're going with mostly Derek's questions here, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you I mean, wrote that text feed, he, there's a spirit of wisdom came on. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my questions were, were weak. All right. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think, I think the only way to move forward really is diverse communications. We need to hear different viewpoints. And, the, and, and friendships need to be forged, you know. And so, you know, I've never intentionally like, okay, I need to have more black friends, you know. And, um, well, my black friends know that I secretly wish I was black. It's, it's kind of a joke. I, I just I, I just I just love everything, and so uh, I I want to get adopted in. So I had him
1: listening to 50 Cent yesterday. So
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a joke. It's a joke. It is a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got so many things going through my head. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to tell that story. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what, hey, um, before we ask the first question, is there anything you guys just want to say just to kind of address anything? If not, I'll just jump into the first question. Anything you want to just, I just kind of set the table. Is there anything you want to add or subtract from that, or we just go to the first question? No, you can go right ahead. First question? All right. Yeah. All right, here we go. What gives you the right, and no, I'm just kidding, that's not the question. <laughs> 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 we lost one here. All right. No, I, I love to just hear this. Do you have a story of where you personally were involved in a situation that felt like racism? Have you have you ever experienced that as a black man, and how did you respond? Well, I think uh, me personally, uh,
2: my first encounter, I think, with racism. Um, we moved uh, from Columbus to Gahanna, Ohio. And maybe the early 90s and uh, my understanding of uh, white, white America was very positive until that because we were all in the inner city we all had the same struggle we all had the same challenges uh, the first uh, wh- Caucasian man I met was my swim coach uh, he absolutely loved me his heart was for me he took me everywhere so my encounter with white America was so wonderful and then I got to Gahanna and I felt different for the first time in my entire life. Um, I felt awkward. And it wasn't as uh, easy connecting uh, with people. I actually felt my skin color. Then um, I was the, uh, the the special kid. It's like like going to the zoo and you first see a, a you know an animal for the first time, and it's like, oh, let me touch your hair. Let me, you know, I, I just felt weird, and and I got treated. Uh, different as far as going over a friend's house and, um, you know, people believe in the stereotype of uh, what they thought black America was uh, based off of movies or music or, you know, just lack of understanding stories. 50 Cent songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, uh, and uh, I think that I, I, as a teenager, I turned 16 and got my first car, and I was driving... um, uh, over there by Ohio State University on the, uh, not the main campus, but the East Campus. And I was pulled over by a police officer that said that my car fit the description of something that was involved in some illegal activity. Uh, I probably was the only person that had that car like that in the inner city at that time. Um, so I cracked my window and he he asked for my license. and I just knew he was profiling me based off of, you know, how I looked at the time, how my car was, the music I was playing. Uh, but I never changed my tone towards him. I gave him my license through the window and the questions he was asking was very leading, trying to get a rise out of me, but I kept my, my heart still and calm. And, and uh, he eventually gave me a license back and I drove on down my way. Uh, when I shared it with my mother, she was furious. And I, and I really, it's almost like I was living in this, this umbrella where it it really didn't affect me, but I knew that
0: it was there. Yeah. So that was yeah, that was your first experience. Yeah. Yeah. So were you a believer at that time? No, I wasn't. Okay.
2: okay. I was just a lover. Lover. I love my mother. I love people. And I, really, I really think that's why God <laughs> marked my heart for this, you know.
0: <laughs> I didn't I didn't even realize that I was loving people. Yeah. I was just just being me. So Derek, before Save, is probably more loving than most of us after Salvation, is what I'm saying (laughs) here. Derek, after Salvation, is a whole nother level. (laughs) Hey, you know what, just before we get to Sean here, I I wanted to uh, to, to do this. Just tell what happened on Thursday. You and uh, Shatish, you took a group downtown. We've been sending teams down um, uh, this week downtown to just walk and pray and pass out donuts and peace. And I don't know if you guys saw the mural, uh, the news interview. uh, We painted a a mural on the... um, So uh, Sarah Hout, our uh, amazing muralist, muralist. is that a word, a muralist? (laughs) It is now. She's a muralist. Are you here, Sarah? There she is in the back. Wave, Sarah. (laughs) So she painted an amazing mural uh, on the plywood of the boarded up uh, bagel shop below the Normandy building that we own. And so uh, just one that just brought a lot of hope and the news came over and awesome stuff. So why don't you tell what happened on Thursdays real quick?
2: If those that don't know my wife on the first row there, she is an absolute fire starter. (laughs) I mean, let me tell you, she's like dynamite in a room full of dry paper. She's going, when she go off, everybody's going to get fired. Mm-hmm. So she went down there, and uh, she, if you know her, she's down there with masks and everything, and, and she got a bullhorn with her. And not just one, she has like five bullhorns. Like, <laughs> it's like weapons in her car. She's like, if one go out, I got another one. Yeah. So she, she's down there, and she's preaching the gospel, unapologetic. Flat foot in front of everyone. I mean, just giving the business to the devil. Yeah. And and uh, it just shifted the whole atmosphere. Come on. Uh, when she gave an invitation, an invitation to Jesus. <laughs> for, uh, right you in know, the middle of all the protests. God you know. was really setting the foundation right. because any, any justice where he's not the foundation is false justice. Yeah. So immediately God was setting the foundation with justice. Maybe a hundred people... Accepted Jesus Christ down there. Come on, and mom. and I'm sitting beside. You know, I'm I'm out there like a little spy. I got my phone here. And I'm recording the whole thing, and the guy beside me saying, "Oh, she can't preach that. She can't say nothing about Jesus." There's so many religions down here. And and one of the guys that was putting the thing together, he said, "You tell her that." And he walked away from her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "There's no one that can tell her that. She's she's going to continue to preach. You gave her the microphone, and she put a bullhorn in front of her microphone and began to speak even." (laughs) It was it was crazy, and people were dialing. She gave out the number to Zion here for those who accept Jesus Christ to text, text Jesus too. Text yeah. Jesus here. I mean, I started
0: get out your phones. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was great. She,
2: she said it twice to him like, don't you hear me? I said, get
0: your phone out. <laughs>
2: people fumbling for their phone only. <laughs> You
0: don't I mess mean, with Mama. No. Absolute fine. And you got the where We were uh, prophesying over people. and Yes, so. uh, it's, God uh, spoke to me as I was sitting.
2: I was stirred up about uh, bringing people to the righteousness of Jesus. Yeah, and and it just came out uh, uh, prophetically, lucid and releasing over the whole community of uh, watchers, those that were there protesting, and um, you know, just pr- uh, releasing that everyone will come into the unity behind Jesus Christ. Yeah. and um, I mean it was so powerful when we were done we prayed at the seal everyone in the room everyone that was with us prayed right there releasing so many different things in the atmosphere and uh, officers a sheriff came up to uh, to us and we took pictures and everything with the sheriff but She said, thank you. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for preaching the gospel. Thank you for uh, just being who you guys are. And it was just so touching because so so many believers are on the other side of protesting. You know, they have a badge on. They're standing there protecting, doing their job. And so many times they get hit with bricks. They get hit with the, the stones. They get painted. We hit brothers and sisters with some of our words. And then when, yeah. we, when we got down there and we, we began to speak about truth, true justice, it brought their hearts to God, too. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. God.
0: <laughs> so, Sean, you grew up in the Columbus area here. And so um, what, what was it like? Have you ever had any encounter where you felt racism against you? Well,
1: I can remember two encounters. Okay. Um, First one was before I got saved, I, had a, I bought a Buick Somerset. Y'all probably don't know what that car is. You know, it was red. I went and got rims on it. I put some 12s in the trunk. Nice. Just playing 50 Cent. Um,
0: and I <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. So, we're going
0: to have to get some royalties from 50 Cent here, listen, I think. Uh, 50 going to have
1: to send us some royalties. That's here. right. So I was in Groveport off of Sedalia. Uh, we used to play pool at a place called Quarter Flash over there, and I had some friends that lived in the area. And uh, this was 2001. I was driving through the area, heading over there, and one of the, the sheriffs pulled me over. And I wasn't speeding, I wasn't drunk, wasn't high, I was on my way to go do all of that. Remember just before I was saved. Um, so
2: he meant to say yet. Yeah.
1: Wasn't <laughs> high yet. I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I was on my way. Um,
0: premeditated. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I had the
1: thought, I was going. So he pulled me over and I didn't know why. Because I wasn't breaking any rules. You know, I was following the speed limit, whole nine yards. Because I know. In this area, you don't do nothing. You abide by the rules, or you're going to get pulled over. So he pulled me over, and I I pulled over right in front of uh, Quarter Flash, and, and he says to me, you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no. Didn't ask for my license, didn't ask for my registration. He said, I don't know your car. And when you drove past, I saw you look out the window, and I noticed your color. Wow. We're in Groveport. Mm. I said, "Well, wait, wait. Did I was I speeding?" And he said, "Hand me your license." I said, "Was I speeding?" He said, "Are you resisting arrest?" Wow! I didn't get arrested. Wow. <laughs> I hand him my license. He comes back and he says, I don't want to see your car out here again. If I do, I'm going to arrest you and I'm going to make them think you have drugs in your car. This
2: happened in 2001. I was just going to say something about Growport too, but man, listen. <laughs> but I, I know Jim's trying to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> quick we story. Got, can we I, got some stories? Can about I jump Robert. in on that for quick story? <laughs> jump in on
0: it, yeah.
2: Uh, this, this is actually recent. It's something about you, when you brought Growport up. Uh, I took my family to uh, the Growport Rec Center where we can go swimming and everything. And and I, I wasn't into swimming that day. You know, I was like, I'm just going to sit out here in the car, I'm going to take my family, they can all go. So I'm sitting out in the Groveport Direct the Center in my Hummer, um, in the front row, and I'm just playing Angry Birds or something on my phone while my family, yeah, you know, my family's in there swimming. You probably got pulled over because you was playing Angry Birds. W- I wasn't even driving, birds. I was sitting in the parking lot.
1: But they were Angry <laughs> Birds. <laughs> <laughs> you got pulled
2: over for emotionalism. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> A sheriff walks up to my window and taps on my window, and I roll the window down. I say, yes, how can I help you? And he said, "Uh, you know, we got complaints that you were out here selling drugs and smoking drugs. Me, of all people. And I'm looking at the cop. I'm like, "Uh, no, I'm playing Angry Birds. (laughs) And, And he said, well, I don't smell any drugs, so I don't know. But... But somebody called the police on me. Because the a black
0: man in the Hummer. Because I'm yeah.
2: sitting in my truck with my head down. They think that I'm rolling up blunts or something. and I'm the weed man or drug man in Gahanna.
0: Based off of this. Yeah. Yeah, it is a wow. Did you want to share the second incident or do you want to? Sure. I'll make this one very quick. Two weeks ago. Wow. Um, on...
1: Monday, not this past Monday, but the Monday before, I was heading to pick up my youngest son. And I got, I'm at a Diley in 256 where it merges into one lane. Okay, so where there's two lanes, I noticed that there's a police officer in this lane next to me, five cars behind me. I noticed him, it's a habit, you know. I noticed we get to the lane where the lanes merge. He hits his lights. All of us get over, every one of us, because, you know he's about six or seven cars behind me now. So we all jump over. Nobody's knowing where he's going. He flies behind me. Now I'm confused sitting there in my car, like, I don't know what you're stopping me for. He comes up to my window, he says, he waits about three minutes before he gets out of his car. He comes up to my window, he says, are you Sean Smith? I said, yes, I am. He said, is this your car? Yes, it is. You must know that already if you ran my tags. He says, I've never seen your car here. Now, mind you, this incident is what prompted me to sell my car yesterday. Wrong. Legitimately, like, no joke, I literally sold my car because I was tired of being profiled in this car. Not to Somerset, another car. <laughs> so the man is talking to me in, at the window, and he says, do you know why I stopped you? I said, no. I said, before you tell me why you're saying you stopped me, um, I need to ask you a question. And he said, what's your question? I said, are you profiling me because of my car? Because that's going to make a lot of difference to me on something I'm about to do. He says, I've never seen your car out here. I said, okay. Why'd you stop me? He said, well, I've never seen your car out here. He runs my license. He sees my insurance is good. My tags are good. My driver's license is good. he comes back and he says, um, I don't know where you're going, but your car fits the description. I said, okay. I, I get a little antsy. Yeah. And I'm asking him questions, and I said to him, this was the question that made him upset. I said, I saw you at the light. You was five cars behind another car, like on the other lane. When did you run my tags? He said, I ran your tags at the light. I said, I, I don't believe that. You ran my tags when you got behind me because there's no way in the world you could have saw my tags from five cars behind in the second lane. He says to me, are you getting smart? I get antsy again. I look in my, dri- my driver's mirror and I see his vehicle. I look in my rearview mirror, I see his vehicle. Not I look vehicle. in my passenger mirror and I see another officer coming through the grass of where the old, what is it called? Bag of nails or something? Yeah, I know cutting straight through the grass. Officer comes out. I look. It's a lady. She points her gun through the window. My first thought was, all right. Should I cut my phone on? Should I call my children? because normally these incidents don't end up right. I leaned back, I looked at the officer, I said, what, what, is, what is she doing? And I told the young man, who looked like he was about 19 years old, I don't like stuff like this. You are gonna need to stop this. You just told me I didn't break any rules. You just told me the reason you stopped me is because of my car. You ran my tags, ran my license, ran my insurance, and I'm clean. What is she doing? What made that incident worse to me is she wasn't a white female. She was African American. She was young. The young man said, she just got on the force. And because of how I stopped you, it made her nervous. I said, both of y'all need y'all's badges too. So I ended up making a conscious decision two weeks ago to put my car on the market because I'll never go through that again. I have a six-year-old and a five-year-old, my two youngest, all I kept thinking of was what if they was in the car? Because she pointed the gun through the back window. So that was two weeks ago, which now is kind of like, eh.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Wow.
1: And then to wake up Tuesday and see what happened to Mr. Floyd. Yeah. And have to tell my children who now call me every five minutes talking to my dad, are you okay? I can't even get on an airplane or drive down the street without my son calling me,
0: because he's nervous. Okay, I'm sorry. No, we need to hear it. We need to hear it. We don't have that experience, and so I've never had that experience, at least. I don't want to overpaint a picture that, uh, I don't want to paint a negative picture of police. I love police. We, guys, we are thankful for the police. If this country is as crazy as it is with law enforcement, the answer is not to defund the police department and have That's no right. law. That's right. Okay, and so um, yeah, I, I'm sure that the mayors, you know, the mayors are over the police force. That they're they're working on how do you train people in de-escalation techniques. You know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to work on all that. So the answer is not ba- you know it's, it, the answer is better people. You know, yeah. and so it, it's it's a hard issue. So thank you for saying it. It's hard for us to hear, but we need to hear. I wanted you guys to hear it from someone who's not a stranger, not someone who's you know, just on the news that it's easy to say, I wanted you to see the, those incidences. It could have been one of my friends, one of my brothers. We have another um, a person who used to go here. They moved out of state, and he, was, uh, he got pulled over for a cracked windshield, and he said before he knew it, there was three, off, three cars surrounded him in a formation with their guns drawn, and he's with his wife and his two little kids in the back seat, and uh, he's scared to death thinking, I'm going to be the next person on the news. And so these, these, these aren't isolated incidents. I don't want to paint a picture that it's all over the place. You know, I think that there was, uh, what was it, um, nine unarmed uh, police shooting deaths in 2019 in the, whole, in the whole gambit. There's been three this year of unarmed uh, people dying at the hands of police. I don't want to paint a picture that it's all the time. And I do think there is a, a liberal bias media. Uh, can you name me any white guy who's gotten shot in the last 10 years by the police? No, you can't because that doesn't make the news. So I do think there is a liberal bias, but I do think that we need to wake up and see that there's a real problem here. And part of us bearing one another's burdens is understanding that this is a real issue and how can we help? And so we're trying to get to the solution side, but I think we need to hear the tough stuff. Are we okay? All right. So um, second question from Derek. (laughs) Actually, I think all of them are. Um, Who's to blame for what we are facing? Who's to blame for what we are facing? Well, well first of all, we,
2: with the understanding that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, yeah. it's, we have to start at the root of every issue. And it's a the person that's hiding, a, a, a little defeated devil that has no power, no authority, that whispered through the weak and uh, uncommitted uh, to Jesus' people. And uh, he plays them like puppets. You know, so many times we want to pull a big brush out and paint everyone, you know, white people this, black people that, police department this. We forget that there's brothers and sisters in law enforcement that's yeah. that's on the, the walls, right? There's first responders mm-hmm. that that are standing for righteousness and doing their job, doing it the right way, and we can't hit them with friendly fire. And and then there's people who uh, you know just, just just standing there, you know, with their badge and doing the right things. Or uh, throughout, even in the government, throughout the whole world, there's people doing the right things and they're taking unfair blame. You know, one thing about being a Christian, um, we're to be holy and without blame. You know, and I think we lose that at times. That you know, Christ has given us the strength to stand in His His righteousness, and by part of that is we have to stand not only being blameless but being there without blame. I'm not coming before Christ saying. Lord, look at what he did or she did or she, because I can't love the person if I'm always blaming the person. Wow, that's good. Derek. So part of the freedom of being a believer is to trust Jesus to be the one that brings vengeance. His vengeance never want to kill people, want to save people. Amen. So if it's in my own strength, I'm going to hurt people, I'm going to kill people. And most blame is really self-righteousness. It's just, uh, I want to, when I blame, I'm always blaming. I'm trying to make my agenda how I feel, be right. Yeah. And when I do that, uh, it, it, have you ever been, someone sat and accused you of something? Whether you had great motives behind it or not, it's very attacking. Yeah. So if I'm sitting there always on the uh, offense of blaming and, and putting the other person on the defense, they're backpedaling, there's nothing, you cannot win that brother or sister doing that. you got to allow God to win them by you standing in his righteousness, in, in, in his mercy. And as we put on his uh, clothing of mercy, people will see that we're actually God's mercy on display. We're God's righteousness on display.
0: Amen. Amen. Let's go. So you want to add anything to that? Or?
1: Um, I think <laughs> that Derek's questions are best Answered by Derek.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, there is an unfair I, I, advantage here. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I feel disadvantaged at the moment. Well, <laughs> well uh, to help you, I, w- I was with my wife when I wrote them, and I just went boom, 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 and sinned. And then I went back to my wife.
1: That don't help. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I do remember one question, and I, I don't want to jump ahead, but one of the w- w- questions was talking about how do you introduce this type of a conversation.
0: Yep, yep. that's, yeah.
1: Um, I believe that one of the ways to that one. you Go for it. introduce <laughs> this type of a conversation is you allow the conversation to still have joy even though it hurts. Wow. That's good. Even though it's a painful discussion to talk about racism in America, you must have joy in the conversation or nobody's going to want to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm coming to you, just like you just said, yeah. if I'm coming to you angry trying to relay
0: my message and talk about what I want to talk about, you're not going to want to listen to me. All right, you're just going to be on the defensive, Yeah, trying to protect yourself.
1: You can't. Nobody can have a fruitful conversation in conflict.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It can't happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So y'all may look at me like, man, this dude's crazy. The truth of the matter is, I crack jokes in uncomfortable positions to make people feel comfortable to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do it in ministry. I'll start joking, bust a joke, everybody start laughing, then God starts talking to me about what somebody's mom's name is or Something crazy, and now you're open. I got you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, to have these types of conversations, I believe you gotta have it with a free spirit, a loving heart, and Jesus has to be the center. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Because the moment, the moment he's not the center is the moment the conversation is about me. Or it's about you, Mm -hmm. or it's about you, or it's about your individual self and not about what God is supposed to be or what God is doing in the midst of the conversation, which is freeing people from that slavery mentality. Mm -hmm. Because a slavery mentality is not just a black thing. That is a Mm -hmm. sin culture. Wow. Because anybody can be wrapped up in a slavery mentality, meaning I'm bound by
0: your opinion of me. Y'all ain't here. Go ahead. I got nothing to add to that, man. (laughs) When something's on fire, you just stand back and admire the fire. You know, you know. I'm not going to stoke it too much, man. Wow. Maybe this kind of leads into it. And uh, um, you know, what can we do as believers to change the narrative of this story of racism? And I want to, I want to just give a thought. Derek and I were talking this week, and. You know, I mean, I think just a great question that we can just ask our black brothers and sisters, brown brothers and sisters, any brothers and sisters, is, hey, just tell me your story. Just tell me your story on this, and then we listen. We don't need to come with a bunch of solutions, you know. It's, you know, you know, just as a pastor, you know, I, uh, you know, it's just hard to know how to respond, you know. When I did uh, put something on Facebook, people criticized me and said, I'm disappointed you didn't say enough. When, uh, and when I didn't post it, people criticized me and said, you're tone deaf, you're not even speaking to this issue, da-da-da-da-da. So it's just, it's... There's no one who has the perfect answer, in case you haven't heard. I'm not really sure if you watch the news, you're like, that's it? That's the perfect answer? That's it? No, I mean, there isn't one. And so it's going to have to be about changed hearts at some level. But when I was talking to Derek last week, he said this. He said, um, we don't expect Rome to be built in a day, but we do ask that you bring a shovel. I thought that was really powerful, that it's, you know, we, it's not like we... I, I know. <laughs> Why are we even here? I know. So,
1: we need to be down there. I know. <laughs>
0: So, Derek why, why don't you, Derek, why don't you just talk to us about it? that? That, re, that really resonated with me this week. And so as we're, as we're looking, how do we change this narrative? Um,
2: I think uh, racism is a big problem, but the even bigger problem is racial conflict. Yeah. Uh, conflict is I have to do something. I'm going to get hit in a fight. You know, when you get into a ring, our whole body prophesied, put on a full armor of God. You know, that your armor prophesied there's going to be a battle. So when you understand that, I, and listen to the tools, you know the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, you know he even says the, the the word of God, the two-edged sword. I mean, cuts both ways. And then he says, after doing all, stand. So the fact is, I'm standing in my armor. prophesies that I'm going to have a conflict, and I can't give up the ground that I got. I have to go forward. And with that understanding, is I have to do something. So conflict, conflict is not just a black thing. It's a righteous thing. I have shown you what is good. Love mercy. I mean, you can't just oh, be okay with it. You got to love it. Why? God said it. God said you love it. He said do, do justice. You know, I'm not just, okay, point the finger and say that's sin. That's what racism says. Racism says that's bad, you're bad. But conflict says that's bad and I'm going to take ground. I'm going to do something to change it. You know, the reason why we were allowed to have separate water fountains and separate bathrooms is because those that understood to love mercy and do justice didn't, want, didn't stand out in the fullness and say, you know what, if I lose, I lose. If I lose my house, I lose status, I lose business, I lose these things, so I will lose it because the righteous king said for me to love mercy. And I believe that's what's happening now. You, you see pockets of Christians, black, white, white, Hispanic, Asian, you know, just just standing out and saying, "I'm going to love mercy, I'm going to do justice, I'm going to not just be someone to point and say it's wrong, but I'm going to be one that says that's wrong, and I'm going to stand there with my shovel and take it's back what stuff. was supposed to be righteous." Really good. So good. You you know, when I looked at t- on TV, it was something different than the Rodney King, different than you know, the marches of Martin Luther King. I looked up sometimes I saw only white people out there. I'm like, my wife and I was like, what's going on? Who's who's, who's getting uh, injustice here? I mean, it's like one black person and there's like a multitude of white people with their fists up and they're standing and saying, we want justice. And I'm like, whoa, this is so radical. I mean, people come out of the woodworks and that's what African-Americans were looking for. You know, don't, don't make it a black problem.
0: Make it a righteousness problem. Wow. That's good. I think Sean's taking notes on that.
1: No, no, no. You brought up something that made me think. Yesterday, June 6th, June at 2.20 p.m., I wrote this. Um, you can see it yourself. I wrote down, we must desegregate the congregation and not become a multicultural church, but become one church committed to the values of the cross of Jesus Christ. How how we do that is by predominantly one-race churches beginning to have conversations during service with other nationalities. And I wrote this sitting at a at a, a drive through and those of you who know me know I like to eat so um, y'all gave me this he gave me this open vision of y'all heard of the rib fest that happens downtown right and he said to me he, he said to me I need you to look at the rib fest from two different angles one look at it as a whole two look at it as a vendor he said, what the problem of the church of today is, is too many people are occupied being vendors rather than being the whole thing. Yeah. What is that? Vendors at the rib fest are in competition for your business. Yeah. Wow! Churches have now become competitive to get members, finances, and, and uh, uh, local assistance. They want to be seen by the public, but don't want to do what the public needs. So as the Ripfest, the entire event is a location, a place where all of these vendors are supposed to come together so that people can have joy. But the church has become like vendors
2: Mm-mm.
1: rather than being the supporters of an entire event. We're at each other's necks Mm-mm. trying to outdo each other trying to, uh, uh, let's see who can get the most lights, the most smoke, the most sound in a building. Who has the best technology, the newest cameras? Who, who has the craziest worship team? And it's more of a competition. Come on, raise your hands up in the sound booth. That's what I'm talking about. See, this is what, <laughs> what changes the dynamics of the church of today is these types of conversations. Yeah. When it's no longer about black white, Latino, Asian, but it's about one church Mm -hmm. under God. It's not about... Mm -hmm. When when we start to realize we have a responsibility as the kingdom to be kingdom. I'm sorry.
0: That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like you had to uh, ask your own question, because Derek's questions were too easy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not fooling
1: with him. No, no, yeah, so-
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: we're on our own track here. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, so-
1: yeah, I got my own questions on my phone. <laughs>
2: uh, you, you know, uh, piggybacking off what you just said, Pastor Sean, um, if if Jim and Mary didn't sit with my wife and I and ask me you know, for lunch and you know, eat over a cold breakfast or lunch or whatever it was, Look how many lives would have never been impacted if he never said, hey, can we talk? Look how many people I have met, how many people that uh, that poured into my life and I had an opportunity to pour into yours that would have never took place if he would have said, you know what, I'm good, I'm going to stay here and not find out what's on his heart. So we miss God moments when we don't stretch
0: out. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) I'm going to make up my own question and answer. I don't know what the question is, but I just just want to say this, all right? (laughs) So um, biblically, it's interesting, race is not an accident. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, God was like, whoop, I gave them a little too much melanin. You know, it's, uh... (laughs) I mean, really, you know, and so you see, uh, you know, Acts 17 says that we all came from one man. So all the genetics for black, brown, yellow, all were already, you know, Adam was made from the dirt. He probably had some color. And so, um, but all, all, the, uh, all the genetics were in Adam, and it said that he fashioned Eve. That means he crafted her together carefully. So the two of them came, and you can see that they were having different kinds of kids, because the time, the time we get to Noah, um, the whole earth was repopulated through Noah after the flood, right? Genesis 9. And uh, it says that there was um, Ham. You know what Ham's name means? Black or Burnt. You know what uh, Shem, the, the second son's name, it means brownish. You know what Japheth's name means? White or creamy. Um, this is interesting. A lot of people think that the color of our skin is just a genetic adaptation to living in Africa, a more hot sun, genetic adaptation. That's not what happened. Ham went to Africa. He took his color with him. He didn't adapt there. Japheth went to the Middle East and to uh, Asia. I'm sorry, um, Shem, brown. He went brownish. He went to uh, the Middle East and to Asia. And Japheth, uh, creamy. (laughs) uh,
1: I didn't say it.
0: Listen, I'm just saying the Hebrew, okay? (laughs) Japheth, creamy went to Europe. And an interesting guy. We have to see that it was actually in the design of God, and it actually reflects His multi-character. You know, it's it's not. it's, It's not even about one race. It's it's. It's about one people, and there's no one people group that could express fully the, the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of God. Yeah. Wow. And so, it's actually a work of the Holy Spirit to have unity in the midst of diversity. That's the whole analogy in First Corinthians twelve of the body. The Spirit makes us one. So, all these are, guys, there's nothing more radical than the Jews and the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that is about as far apart as you can get. I mean, there was laws, and you touch me, and you're, you know, I'm unclean, and you know all that stuff. I mean, it was like the ultimate cootie laws back then. All right, <laughs> and so. Um, but the Holy Spirit has done amazing work that he, he says there's, now there's neither no, uh, slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, black nor white, male nor female. All that stuff has been because now our identity, we don't get to have our identity in our race, but in our righteousness. That we all have one Father. And so, guys, the church is the only one that has a solution to this thing
2: mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: for us to lay it down. But I wanted, I wanted you to see that race is not an accident. It's actually on the heart of God because there's no one color that could express what's inside of him. That's and good, so. man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm glad I didn't have to answer that question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, maybe we'll, uh, let's see. All uh, right. There is that question about um, racism is a hard thing to bring up. Is there a simple way to bring it up and address some issues that I may not have seen in my own family circles? We kind of hit a little bit. Is there anything you want to just circle back around on that, or
2: I think Sean did a great job of that. Um, I would bring say, it up here a
0: little, I think, Yeah,
2: I would say also um, uh, as a uh, African American, uh, I'm at the barbecue and, and or family reunion and. My, aunt, my uncles or something may say something uh, that's you know it might be offensive and it comes from how you know how their parents and their parents view white America and as a, a as an African- American I got to stand up as, as well I got to call those things out and say hey you know this is what the Bible said everything has got to be settled with what Jesus said you notice that every debate and every argument, uh, on national TV, it, it always starts with what a great philosopher said or you know, a, a opinion of a great person. Yeah. It never goes back to what Jesus said. So we always try to sell, settle all problems on the level of our mind and not go higher. I mean, we want to figure out where what law can we write. And God says, just implement the 10 that I put in. You know what I mean? That, I mean, you don't have to be hard. It's, it's not brain surgeon. Just implement what God said. I don't have to try to figure out it. I don't have to put, you know, fast for five days, and but we have a shut in, and no one showers, and try to figure out what what will make this world function. <laughs>
0: That's a real talk right there. That's you, you
2: real know, talk. You know what I mean? When you, you, you're just giving all that you have, and yeah. you know, clothes, the same clothes for five days, just then we don't have to do all that. It's called that. youth camp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 his his words his 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 uh laws work. Yeah, they work in heaven for all eternity. They've been working for billions of years,
0: and they'll work for us. I think it's powerful where you uh, do see that as a biblical pattern. When there's racial injustice, they call it out. So remember, Peter's got this great revelation of how the Gentiles are not unclean. You don't have to you don't have to eat kosher anymore, and so. He's partying up. He's eating the pork chops. He's eating the pulled pork barbecue. I mean, remember, I mean, really, he gets the revelation that he can eat all that stuff, right? But then he gets around some of his uh, circumcision friends. Remember in Galatians 2? Things are going good. You can see him. He's eating the pork chops with, uh, with his Gentile friends. And then the, the, the group from the circumcision that does not think that the Jews and the Gentiles should be meeting together. And uh, it says that um, Peter even got Barnabas to commit this sin. Now, Barnabas grew up in, uh, in Cyprus, so he grew up around Gentiles. He grew up around it, and so he's friends with them, and all of a sudden, he pulls back too, Everything, which is, everything's going great until Paul notices. It took one righteous person to say, listen, uh, I think I even wrote it down. He says, um, what you're doing is not in step with the gospel. He didn't say, hey, this is wrong. You're hurting their feelings. He actually says, it's an affront to what Jesus paid for, We created one new man out of two. And so, guys, we as a church, we have a responsibility to speak up when we see these things. You know, you don't have to become the nag in residence at your workplace. But when someone says something or someone is discriminated against, you need to stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. You know, I'm not going to pretend this is okay and walk away. Whatever you have to do, you know, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. But we've got to see that um, this is not in step with the truth of the gospel when uh, there's some type of discrimination going regardless of the color, so... Mm -hmm. Well, good. Oh, and here's some good news of that story is um, ultimately those races got together. We see in, uh, in Acts 13 that uh, Simeon and Lucius, who were black Africans, uh, they became part of the leaders of the church that actually did the sending of Paul and all those type of things. So guys, here's the good news. They got it right. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: They finally got it right. And, uh, and I think we can too, because uh, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, mm-hmm. slave nor free, black nor white. And it doesn't mean we don't have issues, but we, uh, you know, that we got to work through emotionally and then socially, but if it doesn't have its basis in this, mm-hmm. there's nobody who's just that nice naturally. We need, we need a supernatural solution. So before we close, is there anything you guys uh, wanted to say? Uh, w- wish you would have been asked that you would uh, want to just kind of hit? <laughs> Derek had seven questions. We didn't get to all of them, all right? So... <laughs>
2: actually piggybacking off what you what you just said um these identities were that you were just mentioning were the people that were in the church at that time and and the holy spirit told me that the problem is that we're overdressed and overdressed meaning that we have to put off the old man to put on the new one wow you know we want to put the new man over the old man and he said we're no longer these things so we have to lose our identity Take it off. It's not something that, you know, when we put Christ on, it it comes, it's it's surgically connected to our skin. He's, it's not something we take on and off. You know, when we put Christ on, it's like sitting on Corinthian leather. And then, you know, your house has vinyl furniture. You're not going to go back to putting on the vinyl after you've been sitting on Corinthian leather. You're going (laughs) to say, this is great. This is good stuff. I don't want no more vinyl. So the old man is vinyl. And God is Corinthian leather. He's the good stuff. That's good. I mean, I try, they make purses out of You know that same tanning process, make it real soft and smooth.
0: We remember the Ricardo Montalban commercials from Chrysler. Remember? <laughs> I can't do his accent. The rich Corinthian, yeah, so yeah, I remember that. That's good. Sean, did you want to, anything you wanted to hit before we close it out?
1: Um, number one, thank you for the opportunity. Oh, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. Speak and everything. Good looking out, bro. That's my guy here too. I noticed that he got the green sticker on his chest, but the red sticker on his Bible, meaning don't touch my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that, just so you know. I saw You that. are wise, so, Daniel. <laughs> Listen, you, you do not mess with another man's sword. You say, no, you can no, hug no, you me, just no, don't no.
2: touch my Bible. This don't Bible don't is me. proven. Don't
1: it's my sword. My sword. <laughs> um, I will just piggyback off of everything that was said, and I'll just say to everybody, if you see something, say something. You know, racism is not something that's just going to be beat in a day. And it's not just going to be beat by one ethnicity. Everyone has to come together as one body and fight it together. Um, Next thing I want to say is, I don't know who you are in the room, but if you got a pain right here on your right side, it's right here, right here. I felt it when I first sat on the stage. Right here, if you're in the room, I dare you to lift your hands and get free right now. Stand up real quick. Is you on your right side as yep. well? Listen, <laughs> you too? All of y'all who got that pain on your right side, lift your hands. Listen, we will, I'm sorry. Do it. I felt it, it's been bothering me the whole time I've been sitting on this stage. Last time I was, I was in West Virginia, it's what, one, two, Three, was it three up there? Three and four, right? It's four of you. Okay, you can put your hand down. <laughs>
2: I followed directions. Of Listen, he was like, <laughs> I would have went home with my hand up in the air we, we was in you the never West, told me to put it down.
1: We was in West Virginia. I had to preach a revival. And, and as soon as I got up, I felt a pain hit me about right here on the left side. And I was like, you know, I didn't come in here with it. Somebody in here got it. If you want to be free, just have faith. Step up. Let's get you healed. Nobody moved. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to finish reading this text. you got four more words to go, and I'm going to pray for myself, get healed, and you're going to sit here with that pain until I get done preaching. <laughs> I'm de- Listen, I took a whole bunch of people with me. This is documented on video. We cracked up laughing. We still laugh at this video. I told them that I got to one of the last words. A lady stood in the front. She came up. She said, It's me. I said, Is it right here? She said, Yes. She says, I have a tumor up under my chest, my breast. I said, Okay, awesome. God can do anything but fail. The lady said, I believe it. I said, Well, we got a little personal. God said a few things about them, their life, all of that type of stuff. She lifted up her hands in faith. I didn't come off the stage. I didn't ask none of our staff to lay hands on her. I said, do you believe you're going to get healed? She said yes. She lifted up her hands and the tumor fell out of her dress. Why am I even saying that? One, it was nasty. Yeah. (laughs) You can see me on the video like, really? (laughs) All right, God, you you could have just shrunk it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Fall off, like, oh, God. (laughs) Two... I want to build your faith to believe that you can walk out of here healed. One, two, three, four, all four of you, put your hand where it's at. Come on, Lord. If you got that pain, it's on your rights. Listen, it gets on my I caught up here and was like, oh, okay. That's why y'all probably saw me kept doing this and moving in my seat because I kept feeling it. Like, man, this is ridiculous. This ain't mine. I'm pretty daggone healthy. (laughs) I got four boys. They keep me very healthy. Um, Put your hand in that spot. Everybody else, if you could, stretch your hands towards one of the people who are having that pain in their body. Uh, Lord, we thank you for what you are about to do and already have done. You, You paid for this healing on the cross.
2: Yes. Thank you.
1: So we're accepting and believing that yes. whatever the pain that they're experiencing at this moment, that you are loosening the blood, that you are loosening the vessels, the blood cells, that you are you are straightening out the ligaments, that you are you are in their skin, that yes. you are in their nerves, that you are doing this thing. And God, we pray that right now they yes. feel the fire of the Holy Ghost in that spot. In Jesus' name. From ten zero ten, where was your pain at when you was When you said you was somebody done got healed, I promise you. Where was you at?
2: Probably about a five. You was
1: about a five. Where are you at right now? A one. You at a one? That means God doing it. Where you at? You gonna fool around and walk off the stage here. Where was you at? Zero to ten. Before we started praying. Oh, so you like, man, listen, I ain't got it, but I <laughs> But I help um, you get rid of it. Yeah. I help you get rid of this thing. Who was it? You was one? Zero to ten. Where was your pain at before we started praying? You was at a seven. Where are you at now? You're at a one. Come up front. Who else was it? I thought it was four. It was one, two. Who was number three? Number three. Zero to ten. Where was you at? You was at a six. Where are you at now? It did just now. Oh, come on up front. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just stand up here. Come on. Come on. You had a one? How about a one? Lift your hands. Everybody, <laughs> stretch your hand this way. We're going one by one. God, I pray that everything that's going on within him, that 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 five, that six that went down to a one shows us that you are in the healing business and you already started the process. So God, we believe, we are trusting that this vessel that you've called to preach the word of God and to see souls saved, that you've called a governmental prophet to the nations, not just this nation, but to the nations that you would do something supernatural to mark this moment in history, that he will be used as a vessel of God to do what it is you've called him to do. Lord, we claim this healing now in Jesus' name. Where are you at?
2: Well, if I got to find it, I don't have it. So.
1: Here we go. On. That's one down. Two more to go. You done got yours. Lay hands on her.
2: Listen, healing transfers. It, it, huh? I got to check with the boss. Come
1: on. Where's the boss at? Come on, boss.
2: <laughs> come
1: on up here.
2: She like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not talking day. about the hand laying.
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Lord, Lord. we believe. That you've called her to be a voice of change for not just people in this church, not just people in this region, not just people in this city, but thank you, God, for putting her name on the minds and hearts of people who want to know what real deliverance looks like. Yes. God, I thank you for using her as a vessel yes. to bring deliverance to many. God, I thank you for giving her the sound of Paul and Silas when Hallelujah. they were locked up. For what's inside of her is the sound of worship and prayer that will cause an earthquake to take place in the regions yes. where she stands her feet. God, I thank you yes. for calling her the chain breaker that she is so now Lord she's down to a one make her a zero we got faith to believe This thing gone. All that tensing and tightening up, it has just loosened. We thank you for fire that is hitting her body. God, I pray that 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 a fresh oil would pour out on her, that she would be able to stand long distances without getting tired. That she would be able to preach the word and bring deliverance into every atmosphere she sits in. In Jesus' name. Where are you at now? She laughing. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: you didn't got loose. Where's your numbers? I like numbers. Numbers are fun.
2: Is it break loose? <laughs>
1: huh? Is it turbo loose? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to gauge pain. Huh? It's hard to gauge pain. It's hard to gauge. Okay, do something you couldn't do. What could you not do before you came in here? Kind of like that. <laughs> Who said karate? <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm praying for you, man. <laughs> he said karate. You couldn't do that at all?
2: Yeah, well,
1: with we yeah. <laughs> You're good? She said she's good.
2: Okay. All right, both of you.
1: Hold on. Don't go nowhere. You was at a one. Where are you at now? Where are you at now? You still out of one? You about a half of one or something? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Mary. Can I use Mary real quick? And Come then on. I'm, I'm going to walk off the stage. All right. Hey, Mary. Um, the Lord told me that she carries an anointing similar to you. She is a worshiper who will spend time in God's presence to understand God's plan. He told me that there are songs that she's been writing that nobody even knows about. Which is why I need you to lay hands on her. And command that .5 to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Who get a .5 pain? Who does that? (laughs) Lift your hand. Where are your pain I mean, level that at? That could now? be a gas crap.
0: I mean, That's come a, on, half a point five.
1: Huh? Is zero? Come on, y'all. Come on, Pop you your boy. hands in here. Thank you,
0: Was that good, man? So good. I'm gonna close this out reading this. Uh, Revelation chapter five, verses nine and ten. And they, speaking of the living creatures and the 24 elders around the throne of God, this is Easter Sunday morning, this is the picture from heaven, it says they sang a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. The supernatural ability to reign on earth was directly tied to the unity of every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue. And so uh, we, uh, we see the end game, and it's going to be good. And so on earth as it is heaven, right? Yeah. Lord, we love you. And uh, Lord, we just right now, we just ask you to search our hearts. If we've participated in any form of racism, God, we've, had, we've discriminated against somebody because of their skin, Lord, just do a deep work right now. We recognize it's a sin issue. And we, we confess it and we repent. Lord, help us. Lord, if we've even, uh, got, I believe that apathy, when we see it an issue and we've been apathetic about it, I believe that that is a sin issue also. And so Lord, even if we haven't directly participated in it, if we've been apathetic and haven't done anything to stop it when we've seen it, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Lord, we just, we want to be a church that moves in the fullness of the gospel, reconciling people and reconciling systems back to you. So Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, we just say here we are with our shovels. We may not be able to build the whole thing, but uh, we're here with our shovels to do our part. Lord, use us to be a voice in this city so that people will hear what you're like. We love you, Jesus.